It's Monday, June 29th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. While we are still in the middle of the pandemic, we are starting to see the long-term effects of lost schooling and shutting down travel and business. The Government Accountability Office is estimating that over the next decade, we will see almost $8 trillion in lost economic growth. We are seeing those losses in education, jobs, tourism, and restaurants. Fidel Alassan, reporter for Axios, joins us for more on the pandemic's lost years. Next, businesses that have been able to reduce the friction in their business models are those that have succeeded throughout the pandemic and will continue to grow as we come out of it. Think of Amazon and how they saved us so much time during the pandemic. No need to go shopping, order it online and it will be delivered, saving time and helping you reduce risks to your health. Same for the workplace. Working from home has reduced the friction of commuting. Christiane Lemieux, contributor to Wired and co-author of the new book, Frictionless, joins us for how the future of commerce belongs to frictionless businesses that give you your time back. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. In the next 10 years, that's going to be almost $8 trillion worth of losses in economic growth in the U.S., according to the Congressional Budget Office. Meanwhile, the the World Bank is predicting that globally, this is going to shrink the economy by 5.2% in 2020 alone. Joining us now is Fidel Alassan, reporter at Axios. Thanks for joining us, Fidel. Yeah, happy to be here. We're still going through the coronavirus pandemic. Unfortunately, we're starting to see an uptick in a, a number of states. But obviously, we are still reopening the country after the shutdowns that lasted for a few months. Uh, And we all knew that it was going to take a heavy toll on the economy. It already has. But we're starting to see some of the long-term effects play out of uh, from lost schooling, travel, and shuttered businesses. There's going to be a long time for us before we truly recover. Fidel, tell us a little bit about what we're seeing so far. Even as we're seeing the number of cases in some states continue to rise, even as we're still very much in the middle of this pandemic, we're starting to see some of the long-term effects that doing things like shutting down schools, curtailing travel, and closing businesses can have. And in the next 10 years, that's going to be almost $8 trillion worth of losses in economic growth in the U.S., according to the Congressional Budget Office. Meanwhile, the the World Bank is predicting that globally, this is going to shrink the economy by 5.2% in 2020 alone. And that's nearly three times as much as we saw from the 2009 recession. So when you're just talking about the economy, the effects of this are going to be deep and they're going to be very long lasting. Yeah, I mean, there's so much at play with this as well. Businesses can start reopening, they can start making money and all, but this time that we shut down, I mean, we're playing catch up still. I know there was a lot of loans that were thrown out there and all the debt that we've incurred because of this. I mean, all of this takes time to build back up. So this is why we're seeing things out of this congressional budget office saying there were $8 trillion in the hole for the next 10 years, basically. Fidel, break some of these down for us. Let's talk about jobs, because I know that's high on everybody's minds. But this is uh, disproportionately affecting women as the shutdowns really started hurting everybody. For the last several years now, the job market for women has been improving, has been getting better. For example, in December, women had 
more payroll jobs than men. And that was the first time that that happened in nearly a decade. So now we're seeing all of those gains basically are being lost because so many of the jobs that are being affected by this pandemic are held by women. We're talking about the hospitality industries, education industry, leisure, parts of the healthcare industry. Women figure very high in all of this. And yeah, it's going to be especially tough for them to make those gains back. Another part of this was that this might push a lot of people into extreme poverty. Now, this might not just be in the United States, but across the world. We've been seeing this improve too, but this sets us back again. It's the same theme that we had just talked about with what's going on with women. For years, poverty around the globe, we've been making so many gains in reducing that. And now this could set this back 20 to 30 years. That's what the World Bank is predicting. As many as 100 million people are expected to be pushed back into extreme poverty. And those are people who live on less than a dollar ninety a day. That's what the World Bank says. And the UN has an even more dire prediction, which is 395 million people possibly being pushed into extreme poverty. So we were literally making progress, and now we're going backwards from where we were before. Education, very important one that we've been talking about on the podcast a lot in different ways. And it affects the spectrum of it is pretty big, too. So we have our younger kids and we have our people that are graduating college. So on the younger side of things, they're saying that the shift to remote learning and these learning gaps that have been experienced, students could be set back at least seven months behind academically. And our people graduating from college could also see some long term effects because they're entering the job market in this time right now. Like you had said, there's the young people in high school. They had already been struggling with remote learning. Just talking to folks around me and looking at reports online, people weren't really liking how remote learning was going. It's a lot harder when you don't have a teacher physically there with you to talk with you. And it's hard because a lot of teachers struggle with dealing with technology. So people were already struggling with the switch to remote learning. But then you get to the racial disparities. Anytime a student steps away from schooling, even for a week or a summer break, they lose some of what they gained. Like you had intimated before, the average student could be set back as much as seven months. But when you look at the racial disparities, which is something that, again, existed before the pandemic, this is going to affect people who are Black and Hispanic even more. Hispanic students could lose as much as nine months, and Black students could lose as much as 10 months. So not only will people lose some of the information that they learned, it'll exasperate some of the pre-existing problems that existed in education when it comes to uh, racial disparities. Just briefly, uh, you know, our young people graduating from colleges, as we mentioned, you know, they're entering the job market during this recession. They're going to see their incomes depleted for 10 to 15 years, possibly, according to some of these studies. And there's going to be an extension of what we're seeing currently with millennials. They're not going to be married uh, until later. They're more likely to be childless. The effects are going to be far reaching on that. Just quickly, because I want to move on, tourism and restaurants in the country. We've already seen how tourism has been affected. Airlines aren't flying as much. The cruise industry has been especially affected. And then restaurants, we're seeing those stories all over the place. As much as 3% of restaurants in the U.S. have closed since the pandemic began. And who knows what the recovery is going to be like? 
the restaurant industry has lost already over $120 billion. And that was just in March, April, and May. So that could be even worse. But yeah, like you said, 3% of restaurants, and that's an estimation from the National Restaurant Association, about 3% of restaurants closed their doors since the pandemic began. And that's a significant number. And many of these people say that they will probably never return to the industry when things are back to normal. Fidel Alassan, reporter at Axios, thank you very much for joining us. Yep, thank you for having me. Frictionless technology, great interface, great customer service, a product that people wanted online. And he was able to use COVID and this kind of mass digitization of everybody as an adoption at, at an adoption rate that is sort of unprecedented. Joining us now is Christiane Lemieux, contributor to Wired and co-author of Frictionless, Why the Future of Everything Will Be Fast, Fluid, and Made Just for You. Thanks for joining us, Christiane. Thanks for having me. I wanted to do this story about story for business owners and why the future of commerce belongs to frictionless businesses, especially during this time of coronavirus and when things got shut down. It was the frictionless businesses that gave you back your time, which were really succeeding and will continue to succeed. If you can think of like Amazon, obviously Amazon helps everybody with their time. You order online, it gets delivered to you. You don't have to do anything, go anywhere. And people love that part of it. You save so much time and energy getting the things that you need. And even in your uh, your article that you wrote here, you talk about how at the beginning of the shutdowns, the coronavirus shutdowns, we were worried, would Amazon and these other companies be able to provide us with all of this stuff? And luckily, they were. But Christian, tell us about what it means to be a frictionless business. During the coronavirus crisis, we all became digital citizens, right? So if you think about, you might have been the last sort of hangover, the guy who wouldn't grocery shop online, and all of a sudden you were forced to. So what that did was it brought everybody onto the same playing field and everybody all at once, all over the globe, realized some of the inherent benefits of shopping online and a frictionless experience. Frictionless is two things. First of all, to your point, Jeff Bezos is, to me anyway, the godfather of frictionless commerce. And second of all, we all find our favorite frictionless moments, you know, as digital citizens. So you might have your favorite car rental agency or your favorite airline or your favorite place to buy, I don't know, your paper towel. Um, And it's usually the place that you find the most frictionless, right? The place where it's the easiest for you to go from, I need this to it's done, to I can save all this time and move on with my life. And so that is in the essence of what frictionless is. And Bezos really was the godfather of that. So tell us how businesses succeeded throughout the shutdowns and how new businesses can adopt this and current ones can continue that. So I think it's really interesting. Obviously, and it's the narrative arc of this is kind of consistent, right? So Let's say the shutdown happened, you know, in California, you guys were a little bit ahead of us, but, you know, the first two and a half weeks of March were kind of dead silent for everybody because the world stood still and tried to figure out what was going to happen. And even Amazon was trying to figure out how am I going to get as much paper towel to whoever as I need to. And then after that, as we were all, you know, made digital citizens at once, 
the companies that were there already, that were digital first, that had their product in stock, that could seamlessly transact with all of the new customers they had, had very good what we call in technology UX or user experience. These are the companies that not only made it through COVID, but in some cases, you know, I'm writing another article right now, but one of the founders I spoke to said he did 10 years of growth in 10 weeks. Wow. So he had all of the right sort of ingredients there frictionless technology, great interface, great customer service, a product that people wanted online. And he was able to use COVID and this kind of mass digitization of everybody as an adoption at at an adoption rate that is sort of unprecedented, but he was frictionless. And so that is to me and like why Duff and I wrote this book is really, it is the future of everything. One of the examples that you wrote about that I thought was really great was this company called Mint House, and they were retooling the concept of the hotel. And uh, they were playing around already with this Mm -hmm. concept of what it is to rent a hotel room, et cetera. And they were doing some pretty cool stuff already. But when coronavirus hit, they were able to change their business model almost and provide a place for people that couldn't go home, uh, maybe healthcare workers, other people that uh, wanted to stay away from family members so that they wouldn't get them sick. And they kind of pivoted in this way really helped them get through it. How did they work out? So Will Lucas, the founder of of Mint House, is a very thoughtful person. And that is a very thoughtful business. And what Will was doing prior to COVID, which I think is interesting, is he was taking all of the sunk costs that are part of the hospitality business and removing those via technology and then backing some of that revenue into things that people really like, right? So for example, you know, they have... I don't know, between 25 and 75 units in buildings in New York, you can get in, you know, it's a keyless entrance. There is no concierge. Your room is already done for you. When you get there, you can have the fridge stocked in advance. All your preferences are saved on your phone. You know, if you like Italian food in New York City, when you go to Los Angeles, they'll tell you right near your mint house room, what is commiserate to the experience you like elsewhere. And so it knows you very well. I think that there's a similar thing at at Silver Car, which I think is also an excellent business that was a startup that Audi ended up buying. But same thing where, you know, it's just a QR code. You don't have to deal with anybody. Everything is saved, including your insurance, et cetera. And all you do is hit the QR code when you get to your car and you drive off at LAX, which is a really beautiful thing. Because if you go to the Hertz, you know, you end up waiting in line. So I think that taking the friction out of these incumbent businesses is how these companies have won. And that is because what they did was they took out the unnecessary interaction with either somebody on the phone or somebody at a desk or somebody waiting in line or, you know, Will gave me a really beautiful example, which I think everybody will understand is when you go to Las Vegas, you stand in this gigantic line, it's right? And part. you wait for, you know, 45 minutes to get to check in. Like, what if you could just walk in with your phone and had a QR code that just let you into your room at, I don't know, the Bellagio? It would change your experience there. And next time, that would be the only hotel you stayed in. And so it is removing the friction, giving people back time, allowing them to reorg that time to things they love. That is what makes us fall in love with new economy businesses. I mean, I definitely have to agree on that. Those are the friction points that everybody hates 
the standing in line in Las Vegas is definitely one of those. I think the Link Hotel, you can check in now through a little kiosk that they have on the side and you don't ever have to deal with the person. And uh, I actually stayed there at that hotel and it was great for that purpose because it was quick. I got to my room right away, never had to talk to somebody. And, you know, obviously in this context of coronavirus, I mean, limiting that human interaction is great. I never had to deal with anybody and worry about, are they wearing a mask? Am I wearing a mask? Whatever the case may be, you know, so these points are really good to remove that part of the friction. Well, it's the future of everything, right? And so when we get into hotels, they are going to build the back-end technology where, you know, you can press your elevator floor from your phone. I mean, all of this is going to happen post-COVID. And I think it's the companies that are thinking about that. I mean, listen, the technology startups, one of which I happen to be the founder of, we were doing this anyway, right? And so when COVID came along, we were like, wait a second, like we can really help people through this situation. What I'm trying to do is to say to the Hertz and the Hilton and, you know, all of these incumbent businesses that are brands that we know and love, in order for you to walk out of this, and you know, I, I keep saying this is the great reset, right? In order for you to walk out of the great reset and maintain your market share, if not grow it, not lose it. And because at the end of this, all I'm concerned with is keeping as many people employed with as many great jobs as possible, right? That's what's going to make the world a better place. So in order to do that, these companies have to think about what the future of everything is going to look like. And so I want these big incumbent companies to understand how important it is that they have to have a frictionless experience on every single level, not only front facing with their customers, but also with their employees and with their company culture and all of these things. And I think that we're seeing that happen in front of our very eyes right now. And it's the people that walk out understanding that that are going to succeed in the post-COVID world. Right. And we're seeing this too in the workplace when everything seemed imminent that we were going to shut things down. A lot of the places that have the luxury of being able to work from home, you know, the big worry was like, well, how are we going to do this? How are we going to nom- operate normally? And in a matter of weeks, honestly, everybody figured it out. Even a lot of us here in the radio mm-hmm. industry where I work, We were really worried about that, but we figured it out. And now we're kind of on the other side of this thing. And we're realizing you can do so much more from home. You can take out this big friction points, commutes, things like that. And think about what a waste of time those things are. Like, isn't it amazing to you how much more efficient you are every day? right? Because you live in Los Angeles. I mean, the driving there alone, like when I was in LA, it would drive me crazy because you can get, I would say, 2x more done in New York in a day than you can in Los Angeles because you have to get into a car there, right? The subway system here is extraordinary. And so the efficiency of you not having to drive around, well, first of all, it's changed the environment there, right? All of a sudden the smog levels, everything, like the trees are blooming more. I mean, it's it's a pretty extraordinary. Um, You know, we joke now that, I don't think Bezos thought about this, but by by putting Amazon into our world and not having people drive around to stores, he actually may be reforesting the actual Amazon. Christiane Lemieux, contributor to Wired and author of the book Frictionless, Why the Future of Everything Will Be Fast, Fluid, and Made Just for You. It's out now. Thank you very much for joining us, Christiane. Well, thank you for having me. Great chatting with you. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. 
follow us on iHeartRadio, or subscribe wherever you get your podcast. This episode of The Daily Dive was produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.